All right. Hello, everyone. Heidi, 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 ho. How's it going? It's Garrett Anderson here, uh, live at you for Wednesday, November 14th, a week before Thanksgiving Eve. Um, all right. So, uh, not going to lie. I'm in a little bit of a funky mood. This this podcast may be kind of the uh, the balance to uh, everyone else putting their uh, stuff on the internet to, to make it look like their lives are nothing but wonderfulness. Um, and, uh, they've got all their, uh, all their ducks in a row, all their I's dotted and T's crossed, uh, in their lives. Cause I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm not quite feeling like that's, uh, that's my headspace right now. I'm feeling a little scatterbrained, a little lazy. I, I gotta be honest. I took a nap today. Um, I'm on, I'm learning something new at work. And it requires me to get up at uh, 6.30 Eastern, which um, for those of you who are not familiar with geography and time zones, uh, right now Arizona is uh, two hours behind the East Coast, and I am not a morning person. So two days a week, um, starting last week, I've been getting up at 4.30, actually like 4.15, so I can go uh, have a a splash of water on my face and, uh, and a quick cup of coffee. And then I start my work day from, um, you know, thankfully from home at 4.30. And uh, I actually gave myself a pep talk the other morning when I had to do it. I was like, you know what, gee, like there's the delivery men and garbage men and, you know, some of my cousins that are electricians. Uh, even my dad, when he was project managing um, in the construction industry, you know, they, they had early days and long days. And they're working with their hands outside. Like at least I get to stroll out of bed in my PJ pants um, with a with a warm cup of coffee and uh, dial into this you know computer uh, program where I watch the other guy's screen while he does the work that needs to get done that early in the morning. But uh, it's not my favorite, and uh, it kind of made me miserable for a couple days. I was probably a bear to be around. I think it was a, a confluence of things a combination of things where I played a fun gig on Friday night and a really nice turnout. Um, Really appreciate everybody that that came out to Amped. And uh, just, you know, used up a lot of really good energy on Friday night. Stayed up pretty late and then uh, was pretty tired over the weekend. And then Monday morning I had to do that, you know, 4.30 in the morning thing when, uh, you know, so I think I'm just... I'm running a little thin, running a little bit on empty, running on fumes a little bit. Um, so I listened to one of Sam Harris's podcasts, the uh, the recent one that came out with uh, Johan Yari, I think it is. Um, let me double check that guy's name. I'm just pulling up my phone right now. Uh, let's see here. Go into podcasts, waking up with Sam Harris. Um, because I just listened to it, it's not going to show up. I got to click into available episodes. Okay. It's called number 142 addiction, depression, and a meaningful life, a conversation with Johan Hari. Um, and it was really good. And the guy's point, his main message is there's reasons that you get to feel anxious and depressed and you, instead of, instead of discounting those feelings, we need to listen to them and react accordingly to them. 
And uh, while we have, you know, we should be very proud of our advances in terms of understanding the chemicals around addiction and depression, um, you know, we as humans are more complicated than just a bag of chemicals where, okay, well, we'll just turn this one up via a pill and then you'll feel better. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that. And uh, his, his point is the, uh, the opposite of addiction is connection, or the opposite of depression is connection. And he's talking about, you know, human connections between humans, as well as a connection in your own life to something meaningful. And uh, I, I, it was a really timely message for me to hear that. And, you know, I think that that was some of my favorite part of, of my gig on Friday was, you know, I got to I got to be in a room with with real live people and do something that I enjoy doing and that I'm you know somewhat skilled at and and that I work hard at at being able to do sing songs and play guitar, and uh, you know in previous podcasts I've talked about the audience of one theory where sometimes if I know that just one person in the room might dig a song it makes it that much more meaningful for me to perform it. Um, so for example, I I took a quick break you know, 45 minutes an hour into my set because I was having some guitar technical difficulties and needed to swap out guitars. And uh, while I was running out to my car to grab my other acoustic guitar, this guy stops me and he's like, hey, do you know Trouble by Ray LaMontagne? And I was like, ah, I'm sorry, I haven't learned that one yet. And he was like, ah, yeah, that's a great song. And I, I really love melancholy songs. And I think you could do it really well. And I was like, hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And then as I was getting back on stage, I was thinking about what the guy said and I was like man there's it's not it's not every day that you meet somebody out in the crowd that says they like melancholy songs and I thought that was kind of cool and so I played one of my songs called Lonely Eve about um you know a uh, sort of a lost soul that uh, may be dealing with some addiction issues or whatever and uh, I I prefaced it by saying hey does does anybody remember that show Intervention that was on A&E or whatever, where they would have a, a documentary about a person with addiction and then their family comes together and with the help of a counselor ends up um, trying to intervene in this person's life. And, you know, it was kind of always that cliffhanger at the end. Uh, you know, they would maybe go to the treatment center willingly or maybe they would fight their family. And then even if they did go, would they stay sober? Would they end up using again? And, um, in, in my song, it's a guy that's like, Hey, don't even come try to find me anymore. Like, don't waste any more sleep on me. Don't waste any more love on me. And it's a very sad idea, but for whatever reason, I thought it was, uh, you know, worthwhile to write a song about kind of one of those cautionary tale songs. And, um, I was like, Hey, you know, I don't usually play this one cause it's not a feel good song, but there's a guy out in the crowd that says he digs melancholy songs. So I, I wanted to play this one. And uh, I said the whole intervention thing, and it's a, it's about a song where it's a song about how if if somebody's not ready to to help themselves, it's it's really hard to help them, and that's a tough reality. But um, the other piece that I wanted to highlight from this conversation with Sam Harris was uh, this idea of um, uh, there's an experiment done where if you give a rat in a cage two uh, water bottles, one that's just plain water and one that's laced with uh, heroin or cocaine, the rat will try both of them and then, you know, start drinking out of the cocaine slash heroin water and eventually kill itself. 
Um, and this was like, oh, you know, not, not a very surprising finding because there's, there's certain chemical hooks in, uh, you know, these very powerful drugs that, that are habit-forming addiction drugs. Uh, but the experiment doesn't stop there. They took it one step further and put a rat in like a really lovely environment with like other rats and, you know, wheels to run in and, and bits of cheese. And so all the things that could be pleasurable or, or meaningful to a rat uh, in, in its little rat brain. And lo and behold, those rats wouldn't um, drink, you know, drink themselves to death with the uh, with the tainted, you know, heroin or cocaine water. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Do you just like sprinkle some cocaine in, in the water? Um, isn't that what original Coca-Cola was? That was like the medicinal property was literally like cocaine, like the narcotic cocaine. Um, but, uh, so, you know, the rat park idea is really, is really interesting. And I think that there's so much work that could be done. You know, while I was listening to this, I was fantasizing about like, maybe for a different career, I could like, you know, find a way where I could, you know, become friends with people that are addicted to opioids and like go out on dates with them and try to help them find something new and meaningful in their life. Like, you know, rock climbing, uh, you know, take them to the indoor rock wall gym and say, hey, instead of getting high, maybe sometimes you could come do this. Like this isn't so bad. Although if they're on an opioid addiction, maybe it's because of some pain and and uh, they might be, uh, you know, um, less able-bodied. But, you know, it doesn't have to be anything physical. Maybe you could start playing chess with someone and just give them, give their brain and their spirit and their social life something to look forward to other than just the sweet feeling of, of disappearing into nothingness, um, which is kind of how it feels the few times I've had surgeries and had some pain pills left over. Uh, I, you know, I had some and I was like, you just feel like you melt into the couch and you, for me, I get a little itchy and my stomach gets a little queasy, but the rest of me feels really like really, uh, groovy and melty. I feel really like kind of like a lava lamp, you know, a lava lamp looks like it's just kind of swirling. That's kind of how my, uh, my body feels, um, when I'm on that stuff. Um, thankfully I've never, never tried heroin. Um, (laughs) that's a relief. But uh, I imagine it's, you know, that times a thousand or whatever. And just that feeling of melting into the couch and kind of my anti-drug about that. The way I think about this is um, like you've got your entire death. You've got the entire eternity of death to not feel anything anymore. I think it's it's a shame to seek that sensation out too much in real life. It's like, this is the one chance you get to have sensations. You might want to use your senses and your awareness and actually be awake for a couple minutes here, you know, in, in the blip of an eye, you know, you, you may be sleeping for eternity. Um, I could expound on my theory of what happens, you know, but uh, then I'll save that for another time. But I don't think it's uh, you float up into the clouds and play a harp with angel wings. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a little more complicated, a little more nuanced than that. But I do, I do think it's trippy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, it's just, it seems like such a goddamn slap in the face of life to be like, eh, no, it's a, what are you doing tonight, Bob? 
Are you going to the, the rock wall or you want to play some chess or maybe learn a language or learn to play piano? It's like, ah, no, I'm just going to go try to, f- you know, feel nothing for a few hours. Uh, it just seems like such a slap in the face. And yet, and yet sometimes we get tired um, and there is legit pain and there is legit dissonance out there in the world. Um, one of the other things that, that Sam Harris's guest, uh, Johan Hari, said that I thought was great. Um, he was quoting some other, I don't know, like a, a monk or something or a, a Bengali uh, philosopher. Um, and they said something like, it isn't the, the it isn't characteristic of, I'm going to butcher this, but the, the gist of it is, it's not characteristic of a healthy person to be well adjusted to a sick world. And I was like, oh, good, mind blown. I feel better about why I don't always feel great all the time because sometimes the world is a sick place and sometimes the way that we have to engage in it isn't, you know, the, it's like, no, 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 you shouldn't feel good about this. There is reason, really good reason to feel really bad about this. Um, and then the, the, I guess the trick is to, you know, do some good work to try to, to combat evil within the spheres of your influence and then, um, and then you all cut yourself some slack that it's okay to not, not feel happy all the time. Um, and I think it, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that, you know, happiness isn't necessarily an objective to strive for, you know, just go do stuff, just go be in the world, have some relationships. And, you know, I find that I'm, I feel best when I'm not slowing down to, to, to ask myself if I'm happy usually if I have too much downtime and I start going, am I happy? Is, is that, what's the meaning? What's the meaning of all this? That's when I start getting, getting in trouble in between the ears, you know, uh, is, uh, is all those downtimes. But speaking of, you know, in, in my beautiful rat park that I've created for myself, I have my, my wife and my kids and I volunteer at the PTO, which is kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. And, you know, there's things that I've, I've, said yes to that are now on my to-do list that I haven't followed up on. And that is, that is like my number one pet peeve about myself is that I leave things on my to-do list for too long. And then they start looming and, uh, like a cloud gathering water before it turns into a storm cloud and rains. Um, you know, I let these things build up and, instead of just getting them done when I, when I do them. But you know, the last few days I've just, I felt so exhausted after that gig Friday night and waking up at four fifteen Monday morning again, you know, cry me or ever. I'm sure people wake up at four fifteen every day and work w- way harder jobs, but just, you know, cut me some slack. That's not what I'm used to. Um, and, uh, I just like, I haven't had energy. So the things on my to-do list, I'll like look at them and I'll just go, I'm too tired to do that right now. When I know I could, I could probably muster the energy to do it. And then I would feel so much better that I got it, you know, uh, checked off my to-do list. But um, I'm a little bit of a fool in that way, (laughs) in in the way of uh, procrastination and and not always... uh, uh, getting my stuff taken care of, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, in my rat park, I've got, um, okay. So, you know, my wife and kids and, and the things that I volunteer and, and, uh, I've been enjoying going on runs. I should stretch more, but I, I still enjoy running. 
And then golf is such a fun pastime, a little too expensive to do it all the time. But I love that, you know, if that was in my rat park, I wouldn't want to do heroin. I would rather go chip golf balls and and try to make, you know, 90 foot putts. I think that's so fun. And it's like a harmless pastime where I'm out in nature. You know, I'm usually stretching and feeling my body and and it makes me want to stay physically fit so I can go be a good golfer. Good in quote quotes you know relatively good in improving golfer let's call it that so um and then I was all gloomy and I apologized to my wife I was like I'm sorry I'm just so tired I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit impatient and it's just uh, I, it's hard for me to really get excited today and she was like did you use up all your happiness at the gig and I was like yeah maybe that's part of it and then just just being run down she was like, all right, I understand. And so we had this kind of long, sad day. You know, when you live with people in a house, if one person is feeling funky, it kind of taints the whole day. You know, it's like, hey, do you, I, I made some oatmeal. Do you want some oatmeal? And it's like, okay, I'll have some oatmeal. Did you get brown sugar from the store? Oh, no, I forgot. Sorry. Oh, it figures. It's like the donkey from Winnie the Pooh. Like I was like living with the donkey from Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore, is that his name? I saw the uh, remake with um, Ewan McGregor. Ewan? Ian McGregor? Ewan? Isn't his name E-W-A-N? Ewan? Ewan. That kid got made fun of a lot as a kid. Ewan. Unless that was a common name. But it starts with the sound ew, which must be rough as a kid. But man, did he show them. Now he's this Hollywood superstar. And uh, quite captivating on screen, if I do say so myself. I did not like him as Obi-Wan Kenobi in the new Star Warses, but maybe that's just because they were the new Star Warses. It's probably not Warses. It's probably Wars. Star Wars. Star Warses. I wanted to make sure that you knew it was plural. Is that where it's like Wars and then at the end of the S is the apostrophe? Because you wouldn't spell Warses like W-A-R-S-E-S. That wouldn't make any sense. Jesus's. <laughs> that's that's the one that always gets me. When people are like, you know, go forth into the world with Jesus' peace. It's like, did you just say Jesus' peace or Jesus's peace? Um, you could tell I was raised Catholic and still uh, go to church from time to time. Uh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Um, so... Anyway, I had this like long, gloomy day, and my poor wife was putting up with me, and you know, I was snapping at my kids for no reason. You know, they're just being kids, and you know, I'm like just being a just general jerk, and I'm like, sorry, everybody, I don't mean to be this rude. You know, I was like, if there's a man PMS, that's kind of like what I imagine it was like. I was just grumpy, as people get grumpy sometimes. That was my nickname when I was a young, young, young kid. My parents were like, he's Grumpster. Um, Which makes me wonder if my parents should have put me on medication when I was younger. But it circles around to my point is at the end of the night, so I had this grumpy day and I'm not on any medication. And I'm just like, I just, I feel my grumpiness, which I think is fine. It makes me feel like a human. But uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm kind of, I, I go into the office and uh, I um, start playing a little piano. And it's just quiet at first. 
and I start feeling it, you know, I'm, I'm getting into it. You know, just just jamming a little bit and trying to trying to figure out some new stuff. And my beautiful wife comes in and she's like, oh, look at you, honey. You're making beautiful music. <laughs> and I thought it was the funniest thing that she came and caught me. You know, I was like having this miserable, sad day. And then I came in here. I haven't played piano in like, you know, two months. And I just I, I was like. I just sat down at the piano. I was like, meh, just feeling all grumpy, meh. And she comes in there and she's like, look at you making beautiful music. She was like, you needed to do that, didn't you? You know, it was like as if I was a toddler and she was the, uh, you know, the, the daycare instructor that was like, see, all you needed was a juice box and now you're feeling better. That was the kind of tone that she was taking with me. But it was, it was totally appropriate because I was acting like a toddler the whole day. But uh, anyways, and then she comes over and she plays a little bit of Fur Elise, you know, that that little like, right, that jam. And I had never played that before. I knew like it was one of the songs that a bunch of people play um, and I'd never tried it or never really learned it. And my wife, you know, she could do it pretty well without even really thinking about it. It's just muscle memory. And, and one of the songs that she played a bunch when she was a kid um, I don't think, she, and then she told me she learned it by ear. She never even like really learned it from, from sheet music. And I also remembered that when I was back in Maryland, my nephew Adam was playing amazing piano. He's, you know, a young guy, I don't know, uh, fourth grade, maybe. Yeah. Fourth or fifth, thir somewhere between fourth and fifth grade, I think. Um, and he's doing piano lessons and he did a great job of playing for Elise. It was so good. I was so impressed. And, uh, like he's still not like a musician at the piano, but like he's getting it. He can do a lot with his fingers and his hands are big. His hands are like as big as mine and he's young still. They're going to grow and his fingers are like long and lean. He's got really good piano hands, which I was jealous of. Um, but you know, I'm like, yes, another musician in the family. This is awesome. So me and Adam, uh, we connect over the music stuff because he, he's, he's got a knack for piano and he was just whipping through furlies. Um, and what I say about like not a musician is like, I, I feel like on piano, especially being able to play through mistakes while still on the beat is kind of like, that's when you know you've crossed a, sh a threshold into being very musical um, and, and, and being a musician rather than just like someone who can play piano. You know, you can play piano, and then if you make a mistake, is it going to trip you up and you have to stop and then restart? Um, and that's totally natural. That's where everyone starts, and that's that's something that I'm practicing on with, with, with my piano skills is even if I flub a chord or, or mess up somewhere, can I get back into the groove of the song without it being a complete train wreck? Um so anyway, I'm like really inspired to, to try to do this for Elise. And, and I asked my wife to show me a few things. And, and I felt these beautiful releases of creative energy and happiness in my brain that I was challenging myself to learn something new. You know, just like... Right? I mean, just, just that much. Just getting that down with my right hand. And 
I was like, oh, that's that's the antidepressant right there. Like, and it felt so good. And then, of course, my, my <laughs> I get a little bit obsessed with trying things. And it must have been like a kid learning a new song. You know, that's like the only song I can play for the next three hours, you know, and, and for the next two and a half weeks. So I've been working on it. Let me see. Let me see how much of this I can get down here. Uh, let me give this a shot. Hold on. Let me put the microphone down just a sec. Um, I'll be, uh, and then uh, we'll do a little piano here. But uh, but yeah, so here we go. A little Furley's uh, and just the pieces I know. I, I don't have the sheet music for it, but I'm going to try to just, just working on it. Just practicing new skills. I tried. And that's what I've been working on. And it's it's really amazing because I, I, when I play piano, I typically just do like bass in the left hand, chords on the right hand, like, uh, you know, like, right? So there's not much going on. There's not this kind of like, that was all new to me. So I realized, and this is one of the really neat things about challenging myself here on the piano, was like I had to figure out when to glance down at my left hand versus when to glance at my right hand to make sure I'm in the right spot. And there's there's all these kind of like hacks, you know, like uh, people call them life hacks, you know, when you're figuring out ways to do things more efficiently. And I, I'm, I need to like learn these on the piano um, to play more challenging and interesting things. Uh, so I'm like, okay, so here, if I, if I know my shape, if I can trust that shape, it's A's in my pinky and my thumb, and then an E with my forefinger, um, then I just need to look at my pinky and just trust that the rest will get there. And then the move is down to E to, to voice kind of an E chord and then back up to A minor. Oh, of course I'd mess it up. And I'm singing that part because I'm holding the microphone with my right hand now. Um, but it was really interesting to go, oh, that's what you need to do. Like, at first it seems like magic and it seems impossible and like something you would never, ever be able to do. And then you go, okay, so at this part, I need to move my hand down to E, but keep that same shape and then take a quick glance, make sure I can bring it up back to A and then, you know, move on. And it felt really good to just tap back into that space of being like, oh yeah, like there's so much more to life. Like I haven't got it all mastered. I haven't got it all figured out. It isn't all just, you know, 
political bickering and recounts after the midterm elections and, and all the things that kind of filled my head over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, from, from outside sources, you know, there's, there's a lot of motivation and gratitude and, and gratification that, that can come from just what I like doing and just new experiences and challenging myself. So uh, while I am so far away from being able to play for Elise, it was such a nice reminder to, uh, you know, of, of how to kind of snap out of my own funks. And then um, my poor wife, you know, it would, go, it would go something like this. I would like practice a little bit of for Elise and then and then, you know, from the other room, I'm sure she's in the kitchen. And like, you know, the moment I start, you know, I'm like, and I do that over and over again. And then, you know, finally I, I get bored with that. And I'm like, all right, let's play some Imagine. And she's probably like, oh, thank God he finally stopped. And then I'll be like, you know, and I, it's like having a, you know, a, a middle schooler learning violin in the room next door. And you're like, oh, my God, if I hear that song one more time, I'm going to blow my brains out. Um, but uh, no. So anyway, I uh, just wanted to share a couple of those uh, little updates. And, um, you know, we'll wrap up here with. Uh, so I, I did get to go back to Maryland for my little sister's wedding. Um, congratulations, Rory and Duncan. And uh, we'll wrap up with a fun little mix uh, mashup that uh, I helped her make for her daddy-daughter dance. And uh, hats off to my sister and my dad for trying to pull this off and, and doing a really a really fine job. Uh, it looked like at the beginning Rory was about to bail on the choreography, either because she was like laughing too hard or you know they somehow missed a step, but. Uh, my dad, uh, he just powered through it with a smile on his face, and everybody was laughing and enjoying it. And then Rory and uh, and dad got back in lockstep, and it was really cool. We, my dad, even like jumped like a you know a one eighty as a dance move. Like you know we'll clap and and shimmy this way, and then we'll jump and completely turn around one eighty, land on our feet in dress shoes. Uh, I was like, oh Jesus, please don't hurt yourself, dad. Um, cause I'm a worry wart, um, but it was super cute and this will be my little, uh, my little tribute and my little way of, of remembering, uh, this fun mashup, um, by, uh, using it as the, the end of, uh, of the music here today. So hope you dig it. Um, and, uh, just picture, uh, some fun, um, you know, wedding gown swinging around, uh, you know, my dad in a nice suit, um, tapping his toes and, and shaking his tail feather and, and, uh, you know, jump to the, jump to the left and a step to the right. Uh, put your hands on your hips and put your knees in tight. Do the pelvic thrust and it can go insane. And, uh, all right, we'll, uh, live at you in a little bit, whenever. Peace. Always in all ways. You will be in my mind For always and always The words have been so hard to find I still remember you as a child Holding you in my arms The way you looked up 
jump to the left. there 